Hi, I'm Louise and I'm one of the ordinands here at St Paul's Shadwell. This last week, during our Lent readings, we've been discovering that God is in the business of transforming us and changing our stories. Transformation and change in God's hands is a wonderful thing, but it can also be difficult and even sometimes painful. But we can always trust that as his word tells us in the book of Romans, he is working all things together for good for those who love him. And we'll discover today, people are his passion. Let's embrace his passion for us. We're going to pray now, Lord, as we listen to your reading for today, help us to be prayerful and attentive to what we're hearing and to be fully open to what you might be saying to us today. savings on a huge variety of products. Big Kahuna deals on fish, fruit and veg, plastic bin lids and so much more. We've got all you need for a fraction of the price. From tiny apples all the way to something that looks a bit like sweet potato. So make sure you're here at the Watney Market Big Weekend Sale. That's the Watney Market Big Weekend Sale. Get there now. Get in the car When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all them from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. And he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? And the disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. And then the Jews demanded of him, that, What miraculous sign can you show to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. And then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus well, here we are in the second chapter of the book of John, a little time after the private miracle that Jesus did, turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana. And Jesus and his disciples now find themselves in the first public arena of his ministry. 
and what a public event this was going to be. The most important festival of the Jewish calendar, the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And Jesus was about to do something incredibly unexpected. Celebrating the Passover every year was a requirement of the Jewish law. Each family brought an animal to the temple for the priest to sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins and in remembrance of the exodus from Egypt when lambs had been sacrificed and their blood was painted on the doorposts of each dwelling. And that act saved the firstborn children of Israel in Egypt. All the firstborn of the Egyptians died that night. An event itself so shocking and so traumatic that Pharaoh had been momentarily shaken out of his hard-heartedness and released the people of Israel out of their captivity at his hand. Now they were heading home. Remember, Jesus would have grown up attending the Passover every year of his life. Remember, he once got left behind in Jerusalem as a young boy after that particular Passover and was found in the temple at his father's business. But as we've seen in the reading, this was going to be another shocking Passover. As we witness Jesus taking the time to make a whip from cords and using it to drive out oxen and sheep and the dove sellers from the temple precincts. He was overturning tables and scattering coins everywhere. This seems so out of character for the Jesus that we see in the rest of the gospel accounts. And if we're honest with ourselves and with each other, we probably find this very uncomfortable to think about. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, this is not. This is a passionate and physically alarming event. What is Jesus doing? Or perhaps the more pertinent question is, why is Jesus doing this? If we listen closely to his words as he shouts over the noise, we might begin to understand. Take these things away from here. Stop making my father's house a place of business. What does he mean? And what had the religious leaders allowed that so offended him, that so offended God himself? Well, we're going to delve deeper into that question. But first, I want us to ask the question, what does this have to do with us? How might this challenge us today? Well, before we think about that, 
we should really understand how this event relates to the other Gospels. Matthew, Mark and Luke, the synoptic Gospels, place the account of this event, the cleansing of the temple, right at the end of Jesus's ministry, at the last Passover, just before his arrest, his crucifixion and his resurrection. So, has John got mixed up or slotted it into a different place for a different emphasis? Well, there are many Bible scholars that now think that Jesus actually cleansed the temple twice at the beginning of his ministry. Such was the passion for the honour of his father's house that he did it again at the end. Historically, the temple precincts, about the size of a few football fields, were a place where people would come and pray and to be close to the presence of God. The Hebrew men would be praying at one end, close to the temple itself, and towards the back, there was a space for the Gentiles or those God-fearing people from among the non-Jewish nations to come and pray. Everyone was welcome in the Father's house. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, had prophesied the word of God saying, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. Well, over the years, those who historically used to buy and sell the animals for the sacrifices outside the temple precincts had now moved from outside to inside inside into the back of the temple court, squeezing out that space for prayer for those who had come to be close to the presence of God. And sadly, there is much evidence to suggest that the high priests themselves, the representatives, representatives of God to the people, the religious leaders of the people had actually taken over the business for their own wealth and benefit. They were actively ignoring the importance of prayer and choosing business and self-interest over closeness to God's presence, overcharging God's people for the sacrificial animals and making money out of the people's religious devotion. At this moment, at the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus is driven by a burning, all-consuming passion for the honour of his father's house, for the people who had come to the presence of God. It was a prophetic protest against corrupt religion because as the disciples looked on, probably astonished at what they were witnessing, 
the passage tells us that they remembered the description of David in Psalm 69 and verse 9. For zeal for your house has consumed me. Just like Jesus, David was calling the people back to true worship to renewed obedience to God, but out of a heart that longed for the presence of God. And just as David had been challenged and reproached by his people, Jesus is confronted by the religious authorities asking, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do this? Well, his reply to them was another prophetic statement. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And when that came true, it would transform people's relationship with God forever. And it's the reason we can say that we know God and that we can experience his loving and transforming presence in our lives today. Jesus was telling them that he is the temple. He is the one that would be destroyed and raised again in three days. He is the one who the Bible tells us carries the mess of our lives the mistakes, our regrets, and our deliberately sinful choices. And as we respond to him, he deals with it, making a way for us to know God's transforming life in ours. Well, I don't know about you, but I find that incredible. But what has that got to do with us today? Why does any of that matter in 2021? Well, Jesus is just as passionate about his world, his family, the church, and about us today as he was then. He loves us. The Bible tells us in 1 John that God lavishes his love on us and that he wants to address those things in us that would hinder us from experiencing his incredible love and his transforming presence. I can imagine some of us wondering, well, does that mean that Jesus is coming to us in a shockingly ruthless and scary way, upturning tables in our lives, scattering parts of our lives like coins? Jesus was responding to a corrupt and self-interested religious system that pushed vulnerable people to the margins and sometimes completely out of the picture altogether. It's certainly a warning for the leaders of God's family in our nations today. 
to honour his name and to keep his word with integrity. But over and over again in the Gospels, we see that Jesus was such a people person. He makes time for individuals that the world rejects. He's kind when others are condemning. He welcomes those that others have judged as unimportant or even a bit of a nuisance. Perhaps a lost cause. We can trust him to be loving when it comes to the hard things that we are experiencing. Before lockdown, you might often find me on a Saturday afternoon, either at the National Gallery or the Royal Academy, staring at a piece of art. There is an amazing painting at St. Paul's Cathedral called Light of the World by an artist, William Holman Hunt. Hopefully, by magic, it will appear on the screen. The painting shows Jesus standing before a locked door. It's overgrown with ivy, with no handle on the outside of the door. And the writing beneath the picture is taken directly from Revelation chapter 3. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and he will sit with him and he with me. This quote is often applied to people who've yet to begin their journey of faith. And maybe that's some of you watching today. But that's not the context in Revelation chapter 3. Jesus was speaking these words to the church in Revelation, to those already experiencing his love and his presence, like us, inviting us to open the door to him fully, asking us, to trust him, perhaps with those things that we struggle with the most. Well, as we finish, let's take a moment today to think about what those things might be. For some of us, we know straight away what those things are. It may be a habit ways of thinking, thoughts that were once just occasional visitors into the precincts of our lives, but somehow we've allowed them to move right in and stay. It may be unforgiveness or fear. Perhaps we're experiencing doubts about God's love for us or something that has been said or done to us that has become a permanent feature of our life now. 
Or perhaps we know that we simply aren't as passionate about the things of God as we used to be or even want to be. Well, Jesus is passionate for us, for his church, and longs to help us to make space in our lives for more of his presence. This journey of transformation is different for each of us because we're all unique, but it starts the same way for all of us. Opening the door to him, perhaps for the very first time, or perhaps more fully, and acknowledging those places we've hidden from him. Today, let's embrace his passion for us and trust him. How will we respond as he knocks on our door today?